Welcome to Healthcare Unfiltered. Shadi Nabhan Podcast. I'm your host, Shadi Nabhan, and I'm a hematologist and medical oncologist. My interest in everything in healthcare, leadership, mentorship, education, hematology, oncology, all things healthcare. And you have heard a lot about monkeypox over the past several weeks. And look, here at Healthcare Unfiltered, we separate the signal from the noise. We want to make sure you know all things monkeypox, but we want to make sure that you know the facts, you know the reality, you ignore the noise, and you ignore everything out there that is trying to mislead you pertaining to monkeypox. Let's get the facts straight. I felt it is really important to discuss all issues monkeypox, and no better person then Dr. Priya Sampath Kumar, who has been our guiding light when we were actually dealing with uh, COVID-19. Priya is an infectious disease specialist at Mayo Clinic. She's the medical center uh, epidemiologist and has really been a wonderful guest on this show uh, previously. And I've invited her to talk to us about um, monkeypox. It is an important topic. I hope that you all enjoy this discussion but mainly to learn about what we are talking about. This is really critical. This is really important. Our goal here is to make sure that we provide the facts to all of you and to learn, importantly, what needs to be done, if any. Maybe nothing needs to be done when it comes to monkeypox. Maybe there are certain things that need to be done. And here where we are, all things monkeypox on Healthcare Unfiltered with Dr. Priya Sampath. Kumar. All right, folks. Well, here we are again with Dr. Priya Sampath Kumar, uh, who is um, a returning guest on the Healthcare Unfiltered. We keep Priya busy because she is a trusted source of information with all things infectious disease. And God knows we've had our share of infectious disease issues over the past couple of years. It's, it seems like ID, Priya, is the gift that keeps on giving. We're gonna talk about monkeypox today because it's all what people are talking about. It seems like we're okay with COVID for a while. But, uh, well, let's start by a quick introduction as to um, who you are, where you work, and then we're gonna start do everything, all things monkeypox today. Okay. Um, so I'm Priya Sampath Kumar. I'm an infectious disease physician at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, and I uh, am also the hospital epidemiologist for Mayo Clinic. And Priya, you've you've come on this show several times. You've been truly amazing because one of the things I always keep having you, and I know how difficult it is to schedule these with your schedule. Believe me, I totally appreciate that. But I love the fact that you stick to facts. I love the fact that we try to ignore the noise. And, you know, with everything that happened with COVID and politics and everything, it's difficult not to get emotional sometimes and, and bring politics in the mix. But you, you've stayed above that and you've actually stuck to the facts. And, and that's really why I'm very excited to bring you in and talk about um, monkeypox. So let's start by a simple question. What in the world is monkeypox? 
So monkeypox is a viral infection that's very similar to smallpox. It's um, um, it, the virus is in the same family as the smallpox virus. And um, the, the infection seems to be primarily an animal infection that sometimes spreads to humans. So the disease was first uh, described in 1970 in the Democratic Republic of Congo, but it's thought that perhaps cases had been occurring before that, but it wasn't until smallpox was really eradicated that people began to realize that there's this other entity called monkeypox. Um, the infection tends to be milder than smallpox, it, but in, in terms of appearance of the rash, it's very similar. So it's a febrile illness, fever, generalized symptoms, and then a rash. Um, the rash is um, generally um, uh, starts out on the face, on the hands and um, uh, feet, and then uh, can become widespread. Uh, people are generally not as sick as with smallpox, uh, but uh, there can be deaths associated with monkeypox. It's uh, the mortality, depending on the strain of the virus, can range from anywhere from one to 10%. So it is spread from person to person much, much less efficiently than smallpox. One of the reasons that smallpox was so feared was because it was very infectious. Uh, monkeypox, on the other hand, is not very infectious and mostly comes from animals to humans, and then there's limited human to human transmission, usually just within close family contacts or sometimes in the healthcare setting to healthcare workers. So, so the virus is not the smallpox? It's not the smallpox virus. It's the same family, the orthopox viruses. Okay. And, and it's been going on, I mean, it was discovered in 1970. Am I, um, uh, I hope my listeners will tune to this after they realize this is the first time I knew that monkeypox existed. Have I been completely ignorant about this virus or am I not alone? Um, so it was something that didn't very often cause outbreaks outside of Central and West Africa. So a lot of people outside of infectious disease specialists have probably um, not really uh, heard much about it. Um, in 2002, 2003, there was actually a fairly large outbreak in the US, uh, more than uh, 70 or so uh, suspected and confirmed cases in all. And uh, this happened uh, primarily in the Midwest. Um, uh, and it happened because some animals that were imported from Ghana uh, came with the infection. As I said, although it's called monkeypox, it's primarily um, rodents that get the infection. And so there were these large rats. And it's unclear to me why they were being exported, uh, uh, imported into the US. But these rats were housed in the same facility as prairie dogs, which were being sold as pets. So these prairie dogs, which are also rodents, got the infection. Uh, and then pet owners acquired the infection from these pets, um, either uh, through close contact with the, with the animals, with their um, uh, bodily secretions, or sometimes from scratches or bites from these animals. And um, there was very limited transmission again to other humans uh, without the pet contact. Um, and uh, it took a while for uh, these um, animals to be um, uh, removed from the household and for transmission to end. And um, there were lots of changes to sort of pet importation after that. And then that outbreak just died out. 
I was going to ask you because you do you did mention animals when first started, and the name is monkeypox. I, I was literally going to ask you, uh, do they get transmitted outside of monkeys? And if so, why do they call it monkeypox? So the reason it was called monkeypox is when this uh, virus was first discovered um, in 1958, it was actually um, uh, an illness in some research uh, monkeys that had been imported into Denmark. That's where the virus was first discovered and found to be different from the smallpox virus. And so it was called monkeypox, but perhaps calling it rodentpox would be more accurate. Yeah, because it seems like it comes through like other like rodents so so we did have an outbreak 20 years ago what you're saying and it died out pretty fast what happened now like is there any anything that we can explain as to why we have a well first of all do we have an outbreak is it just a couple of cases and the media is going crazy like what 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 is happening right now how do you classify the current situation of monkey pox that you were dealing with so ever uh, uh, over the course of the last several years, there have been sporadic cases of monkeypox outside of Africa. So they have been uh, there's been an ongoing outbreak in Nigeria and in several other African countries. And typically these uh, outbreaks have been sort of in areas where there's a lot of um, uh, that are primarily rural, uh, where there is exposure to um, uh, these animals um, and then some some limited human to human transmission, as I said, but there have been, you know, hundreds to thousands of cases in Africa. And then periodically, maybe once or twice a year, there will be an imported case um, in in the West. Uh, the U.S. had two cases last year in travelers coming back from uh, Nigeria. The U.K. has had cases. Singapore, Israel have all reported cases. Um, but there's been really no widespread transmission outside of these endemic countries. And um, what has happened this time is a very unusual uh, phenomenon. It's been, again, imported cases coming from there. The first case that was reported in the UK in May of this year was an imported case. But then um, surrounding that time period, there have been other cases reported in, in uh, people who've had no travel history. They have uh, not traveled outside of um, um, the UK or uh, Western Europe. Uh, and there have been multiple, multiple countries in, in Europe that have now reported cases. And then Canada, um, the US have also reported cases. So definitely uh, the, the, the case count keeps changing from day to day. Just in the US, it's, um, um, there have tw been 12 confirmed cases as of this recording in the end of May. Um, the total case count in the Western world is more than 300 cases. So definitely something has changed from you know one to two cases per year outside of Africa over the course of the last few weeks, we've had over 300 cases. So definitely something has changed. Can you speculate why this has changed? I mean, is there any ongoing theory among infectious disease specialists as to what may have happened? So we know that cases have been rising in Africa, but very slowly. And the theory behind that is that the smallpox vaccination that, um, you know, the smallpox vaccination programs ended kind of in the late to mid 70s. 
um, the smallpox vaccination was protective against uh, monkeypox as we have sort of the population level immunity to smallpox is decreasing cases in Africa have been increasing as a result of that. Um, the and, and generally across the world, more and more people are now uh, susceptible to monkeypox. So that's one explanation for why in the past imported cases didn't, you know, propagate, but now these imported cases are propagating. The second theory is that um, all of these, these current clusters of cases have been um, um, in this aftermath of COVID, we've all been, uh, you know, not traveling, avoiding crowds, etc. There's a lot more travel. Uh, some of these cases have been associated with mass gatherings. So close contact and crowded quarters of people may have contributed to increased cases. And then there's, you know, speculation, and it's still just speculation about has the virus really changed? Has it somehow become more transmissible? Um, and therefore, we're now seeing more cases. So, you know, I was born in Syria. Uh, I believe I got vaccination about on smallpox. I, I presume I did. I honestly don't don't know. <laughs> I think I have, and I think you probably have as well. I mean, are we? Am I at risk if I've been vaccinated against smallpox? So those who have been vaccinated definitely are at lower risk. Again, our vaccination was many, many years ago, so it's possible that our immunity has waned. Uh, but the current cases, if you look at the 300 or so cases that have been reported, have all primarily been in young people, people who never got vaccinated. So it's possible that, um, you know, the people and they've been uh, there haven't been direct epidemiologic links between all the people who've been infected. So it's possible that there's sort of been subclinical cases or cases in people who have been vaccinated who didn't have um, any manifestations, who had a subclinical infection that's allowing the, the chains of transmission to continue. So um, definitely vaccination seems to be protective. So if there were... Um, maybe clinical cases only in, in young people who've never had vaccine, but the um, other people with some partial immunity are um, allowing the infection to be transmitted. So, so the, I mean, right now, um, is vaccination mostly mandatory for smallpox in the U.S.? There is no vaccination against smallpox. So the entire world stopped giving smallpox vaccine. All smallpox vaccine stores were actually um, destroyed, um, I think, in the 80s. Um, but I, I, I've had before that, right? I mean, we've right. had it before that. So, right. so right now, you can't get vaccinated against smallpox right now. You, there's no commercial vaccine available against smallpox. Now, um, there are two different vaccines that are available, but just, you know, um, under, um, uh, it's in the national stockpiles for the U.S. Most countries have some uh, vaccine um, uh, capability because there's been, smallpox has always been considered a, a biologic threat. So they have maintained some stockpiles of the smallpox vaccine. Now, there's no 
mass smallpox vaccination um, happening anywhere in the world because the smallpox vaccine itself does have some side effects. And so when the threat of smallpox is, is non-existent, there was no point in, in getting the vaccine and having the side effects from the vaccine. Um, so no one is being vaccinated currently, but when there are cases, there is a role for sort of um, vaccination of people who've been exposed because vaccination can uh, prevent infection if given soon after exposure. So but, but the idea was that we've eradicated smallpox. And exactly. that's why we did not need the vaccination. Mm-hmm. And all of the cases that we've seen so far are monkeypox. We have not seen smallpox. No, absolutely. Okay. But there is a theory that the the vaccine against smallpox could work against monkeypox. So, I don't know, theoretically, we have 300 cases. If next week we've got 1,000, we, we need to start thinking, right? I mean... So I'm, I'm not sure what the threshold would be. Uh, there's not enough vaccine um, uh, anywhere in the world for a mass vaccination where every you know U.S. citizen could be vaccinated against smallpox. Um, I think that the approach will still be what we call ring vaccination, vaccinating people around the cases of uh, monkeypox. Um, rather than mass vaccination. Now, um, we didn't really get into this yet, but there is a fairly long incubation period from the time you're exposed to the time you start having symptoms. It can be as long as three weeks. On average, it's about a week to two weeks. Uh, So that intervening period when you know, you know, that you've been exposed is when there's room for um, getting the vaccine at that point. Got it. Um, Priya, I saw a few reports uh, that suggested, and I don't know how accurate this is, that that this is this this could be a sexually transmitted virus. Um, there were some. I think there was a report I read on BBC or something that also it was more common amongst homosexual men. Or I I I I couldn't verify any of this. Have you seen any of these reports? Have you heard about them? Are these Do you believe that this could be a sexually transmitted thing? So we know that the infection is transmitted through close contact. And what has been different about this outbreak, so I said the rash typically appears on the face um, and then spreads to the rest of the body. So in this outbreak, a lot of people have been presenting with rashes in the genital area. So that's what started this uh, thinking about, could this be a sexual, is the mode of transmission um, 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 uh, through sex? And I think the answer is it's not exactly a sexually transmitted disease, but because um, uh, the people who have presented have um, uh, had sexual uh, sexual contact with other people with these lesions, and and you know you have generally have fairly close contact when you're having um, sexual intercourse. I think that's the reason why uh, it's presenting with a rash in the genital area. I'm not sure that it's a traditional sexually transmitted disease. The um, other uh, thing that you brought up about uh, a lot of the cases, the majority of the cases have been in men who have uh, sex with men. Again, uh, one reason for this is that the the disease was introduced into um, 
from uh, this population. And there have been several mass gatherings in Europe uh, of um, these groups, one in Spain um, and one, I think, in the UK. And so these settings promoted transmission, but it's not a sexually transmitted disease or a disease that primarily affects certain uh, uh, certain uh, subgroups. I think it just happened to be introduced and the circumstances were right for ongoing transmission. Okay. So we've talked about the incubation, which is longer. You've talked to us a little bit about the symptoms, which generally sound they are mild. Um, um, I guess I'd like maybe to talk about prevention and then about treatment. I mean, is there anything, I mean, you know, we don't want to really uh, make people panic. It's 300 cases worldwide, right? This is in the U.S. we're talking 10, 20 so 12 confirmed cases, so not very many. Yeah, 12 confirmed. I mean, is there a possibility that we have more, they're just not confirmed? I mean, that's possible. It's possible. Again, um, you know, this is not something that anyone in the practicing in the U.S. has likely seen um, because smallpox was eradicated a number of years ago. Monkeypox is vanishingly rare. Uh, so most of us have not actually seen cases. So it could be that there's a, there will be a delay in recognition. But again, uh, the CDC has sounded the alarm. People are uh, have been asked to be on the lookout for um, a febrile rash illness. So I think with our heightened awareness, hopefully we will pick up cases. So in the infectious disease lingo, I mean, I know we talked when we were dealing with COVID, we talked about pandemic endemic, uh, whatever it is. I mean, is this similar to the Ebola days where we just are on the heightened alert and we may get a few hundred cases? I mean, where do you, on the spectrum of how you classify infectious diseases, where are we with monkeypox? So I think that this does not, um, is not something that is likely to turn into a pandemic. And I'm knocking on wood because we just can't afford another pandemic. Uh, please, but, please, no. <laughs> but I think that just based on infectivity, it's unlikely uh, that we'll see this kind of uh, unchecked spread like happened with COVID. The second thing is, uh, as far as we know, we are, although we're hypothesizing that some cases may be subclinical, the vast majority of patients have symptoms and they do seek medical care um, because the symptoms are highly visible um, with a rash and a fever, feeling unwell. So unlike COVID, where there's a lot of asymptomatic individuals who are kind of fueling transmission, it's unlikely that that will happen with monkeypox. So that's the two reasons why I don't think this really has pandemic potential. The um, uh, other, some of the other reasons are that we do um, have vaccines already against the disease. So the existing smallpox vaccines do work against uh, monkeypox and we can scale up production if we needed. So that's the other um, reason why I don't think this will spread unchecked like COVID did. It's not necessarily a pandemic, it could be like an endemic or something else, but okay, so that, that's good news, that's great news. Um, the, the, um, for we, when, when we were dealing with COVID, there were a lot of advice to the general public, you know, 
uh, masking, vaccinations, social, all of that stuff. Currently, there is nothing that people need to do in terms of behavior to minimize that risk. There is no reason to panic. There is no reason to sound the alarm. It's an illness. If you feel uncomfortable, seek medical attention, seek medical help. There's nothing that I need to do to minimize my chances of getting it or anybody else needs to do, right? If you're in an area where you're still masking for COVID, that will also help protect you against um, monkeypox. Uh, and then, um, unlike COVID, it isn't highly infectious, so you will need prolonged contact for it to spread. Now, we talked about the close person-to-person, -person um, you know, skin-to-skin -skin contact. It can also spread through respiratory droplets, so that's why the masking can help prevent infection. Got it. About pets, um, because we did mention rodents and you mentioned dogs and, and, and so on. Pet owners, anything they need to do at this point? So we don't know of any pets that have become infected. So the 2002 outbreak, you know, it was clearly these prairie dogs that had become infected in a pet facility. There's no animal to human transmission ongoing um, um, in the U.S. right now. So pet owners do not have to be worried because this this uh, virus can spread to animals, if you have if you have an infection, you may want to avoid contact with your pets. But other than that, um, you don't really run a huge risk of getting uh, monkeypox from uh, animals. So let's talk treatment. I'm, I'm assuming it's supportive care, but I don't know. I mean, if somebody gets infected with this, is there any actual therapy or you just run its course and it gets better on its own? So supportive care is very important. The the rash, if it's very extensive, you know, there is a risk of secondary bacterial infection. So people need to be monitored carefully and will may need to get antibiotics. If the illness is very severe, so uh, some groups of individuals are more likely to get severe disease. That would be um, uh, children, very young children, um, and then those who are immunosuppressed. And so if they have a very extensive rash or they have very very significant systemic symptoms, there are some antivirals that theoretically can work against um, monkeypox. Um, there's two different antivirals that have been tried in past imported cases of, of monkeypox. And uh, both of these, again, are not commercially available. They're in the national stockpile. So a case has to be confirmed and then the CDC has to release the medication. But there are two different um, antivirals that are available. Okay. And, and these you would basically, um, not everybody needs these antivirals. The, at the physician's discretion, I guess, based on the severity of the illness, but, but it, you could essentially get better without any treatment. Right. Right. You scared me a little bit with the mortality rate. I admit, 1% to 10%. I did not expect it to be that high. Um, are there any characteristics where you would expect somebody is at higher risk of mortality? Uh, what do people die from? If they die, I presume this is the population that you want to treat if they have a higher risk of mortality. 
So there are two different uh, strains of the virus. One's called the Central African or the Congo strain, and that's the strain that has the higher mortality. All of these cases that are occurring currently actually are of the West, West African strain, and that has a lower mortality, around 1%. Now, in um, the last outbreak in Nigeria, the mortality was reported to be slightly higher, up to 3% in HIV-infected individuals. And remember, these um, this, these illnesses, as I said, are happening in very rural areas, sometimes very remote areas. So when you don't have good supportive care, mortality can also be higher. Um, the imported cases that have occurred, there have been no uh, deaths in the Western world. So um, you need to keep that in mind. Um, so which groups of people can have higher mortality? We already talked about the HIV-infected individuals, but any kind of immunosuppression can be associated with more severe disease. Um, and then very young children, and uh, that is partly um, because of the fact that, um, uh, you know, older people do have some residual immunity from their prior smallpox vaccination, but anyone born after 1980 has not been vaccinated. The people die from what, like arrhythmias, sepsis, like what's the... So usually from, yes, usually from sepsis because the skin rash can be very, very extensive and you can have um, secondary bacterial infection. People can also get pneumonia and die from pneumonia. Yeah. Okay, what else What else do I need to ask you about monkeypox? I mean, what, what else do, do we need to cover? I, I read a thread that you put in on Twitter, I think a few days ago. I, I liked it. It was very, very nice. And, and um, it really prompted me to, to chat with you today. But what else should we tell listeners about monkeypox uh, if I missed anything? I think just watch the news, um, find out if there have been cases in your area. Um, I think that to the general public, the risk is very, very low. If you're a healthcare worker, you do need to be on the alert for unusual presentations, fever and a rash illness. Um, um, you need to just think about monkeypox. If you don't test, you won't find out that it's monkeypox. So make sure that you're uh, asking patients for uh, a history of travel, history of contact with other people with the rash. Those are two things to be on the lookout for. I mean, the rashes, the pictures I've seen on the internet is, I mean, the rash is pretty impressive. So that's the thing. So the typical course of monkeypox is first you get a fever, headache, uh, a fatigue, malaise, prodromal symptoms, and then the rash. So by the time the rash occurs, you should be thinking you you know you're not well. However, with this current outbreak, many people have been presenting without that prodrome, with no fever, and the rash. So the monkeypox rash, the typical rash that happens with um, the uh, the cases, is fairly widespread. The lesions are big. They're deep seated. They're very obvious. It's hard to mistake it for something else. But with this current outbreak, people have been presenting with just three or four lesions, mild rash, which is why um, uh, perhaps transmission has been happening because the cases are not feeling very sick. They're not feeling um, ill. They don't realize they have an infection. 
Well, I feel a little bit better after talking to you. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I think you see a lot of these things on the on the news, but I think you put things to perspective. It does not seem to be any reason to panic or sound the alarm. Just be on the alert, and, and probably healthcare workers need to be on the alert uh, mostly. So my last question to you, Priya, is that um, you have been, back in the day when we first dealt with COVID, a little bit critical of the CDC, appropriately so, by the way. I was very critical as well. How do you think the CDC is handling, uh, what grade do we give them handling the monkeypox so far? I'm not going to go go into a grade, uh, but the question has been uh, uh, surrounding monkeypox has been good. Uh, they've uh, quickly uh, updated the website with uh, information for clinicians, information for the general public, um, and uh, they've been uh, quick to point out. You know, there's been a lot about this being sexually transmitted. Perhaps only certain groups of individuals are at risk. They've been quick to debunk that uh, because I think that's that's you know again a feature of how the which population the disease was introduced into it's not really a disease of um uh, any types of uh, uh subgroups try to get you in trouble with the cdc tried tried okay. can't blame me but uh, uh you know uh, i think it's uh it's wonderful to have this clarification priya this is this has been extremely helpful. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking time. We're taping this for the record on Memorial Day weekend and Priya is on service, on rounds, and still took time of schedule to be with us on Healthcare Unfiltered. I very much appreciate this, Priya. You're welcome. Thank you, Chetty. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Healthcare Unfiltered. Thank you for being excellent supporter of the show. Visit the website, www.shadinabhan.com. Let me know how I'm doing by direct messaging me on, on Twitter at shadinabhan and by following the Healthcare Unfiltered Twitter handle as well. It is really important that you provide feedback. And by the way, if you want one of the famous healthcare unfiltered t-shirts, you just need to let me know and I will send one to you. Uh, please refer your friends and colleagues to the show. Let them know about Healthcare Unfiltered. Uh, subscribe to the show, write a brief review, like the show, and you can watch all of these interviews on my YouTube channel, Shadi Nabhan and Healthcare Unfiltered. Before I let you go, I would like to leave you with a quote from Rumi. Don't grieve. Anything you lose comes around in another form. Until next time, take care.